Welcome to the Data Coffee Break Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Christian. If you are passionate about data like us, take a seat, relax, and join us to our coffee break where we discuss all things data. And remember, there are no filters, no PR. It's just a real life experience. So let's begin. Now I realize that I cannot eat spicy food anymore. Why? What happened? So I just came back from Mexico to visit the family. So a bit of context. In Mexico, it's very common to have spicy crisps, spicy chips uh -huh. for everyone. So we call them training. When you're a kid, you need to start with those kind of uh, spicy crisps, spicy sweets. Yeah. So when you are older, you can actually eat the food over there, right? So you have a range of uh, of uh, sweets and uh, and crisps for, exactly. for kids to, to get prepared. Okay, everything has chili. Yes, and my sister came one day and okay. with this one of these bag of crisps and gave me one, and I was super super hot over there. I was coughing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just realized that I. So that means you. I'm not sure of the right word. You get acclimated. Yes. To yes, yes. To the British uh, <laughs> cuisine? <maybe>? Yes. <laughs> so, um, cheese and onion crisps, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's sufficient. Ones. Yeah. But anyway, Mark, how are you doing? Uh, very good. I mean, one, um, running a lot at the moment. I'm preparing for a half marathon and marathon. So just came back from a run. Uh, I mean, between pain and, um, nice. and happiness, <laughs> the, let's say the high of the runner, as you, as you might know. Um, and second thing, um, I, I guess like our listeners might be wondering why we are only two of us today. Um, it's actually difficult to to get hold of our uh, guest speakers, uh, guests uh, for those podcasts. Um, they're very busy. Uh, it's difficult to yeah. find a, a, the right a timing and right schedule. So hope you don't mind everyone uh, for, for this quick change in, in the program. But uh, this is a cool episode. Exactly. And for today's episode, what are we going to be covering? We're going to cover the very exciting topic for us of what is being a technical salesperson. For the audience, there might be like a why, why this kind of topic. Uh, obviously, this is a data coffee break podcast. We should focus on data. The reality is Christian and myself, we met um, in a company setting a software around data and our role yeah. is and was uh, technical sales what we can call product consultant pre-sales solution engineers and we thought like we have this experience we can share with uh, with the community to to help anyone uh, starting in the data industry to also understand that 100% and i do believe as well that even in different roles like consultancy or development, you are also doing a technical sales of your work, for example, your projects, mm -hmm. and even how you tackle a specific problem. So before getting into it, let's take a step back and talk about what is technical sales? What is so important? So why do we need them? I think one of the important things here to understand is that every time that everyone purchases a, a good or service, there is a sale involved. So, for example, if talking about the crisps again, if I need to go to the shop, I may not need that level of expertise to understand or to, to someone to explain me what crisps are or what do I want. Therefore, uh, when you are at that point of the sale, you might not need that high level of, of technical expertise or knowledge to get them. <laughs> Whereas, for example, there are some products or services that can be 
uh, software in, in our case, but can also be industrial equipment, medical devices, yeah. for when you need someone that has the technical knowledge that will differentiate you during the sale process. Yeah. And I guess it was also in this aspect, so going back to your analogy of the bag of crisps, this is low cost involved in terms of buying the product. You buy, you don't like, that's okay. You won't buy it again in the next time. Also, maybe you have the social pressure to buy the same brand. I don't yeah. know if it's the case. <laughs> but uh, in, in the role of technical sales, it's most likely when the actual cost, which can be upfront cost or we can, which can be a subscription cost, can be quite high for a company and it can be considered as a strategic investment. So you want to make sure that you select the good product. And like in bag of crisps, you might, you have different brands, different flavors, and that could be the same in immediate call equipment, software, etc. So you want to make sure you buy the right product based on your need, I will say as well, right? Yes. And different, I would say from the role of sales, the technical salesperson is that individual that needs to also interact with multiple stakeholders, as we call them during that sale. Yeah. So it could be engineers, it could be scientists, product managers to not only reassure mm -hmm. them that the product that we are proposing is going to fulfill the requirements, but also to make those relationships with make them champions. But we will go into that during this episode. Yeah, correct. That really involves something interesting. So that's something I basically learned in the job when I started in my role, which is being able to adapt your vocabulary to the audience and adapt the way you approach individuals. You just spoke about engineers and scientists. So that could be, in this case, internal stakeholders in your company, like feeding back to the product managers and to the engineering team what the clients is asking. You can go very technical, very specific based on, on your software, on your company or, or on the product. But when you speak with a client, you have to very quickly... And that's super important in my personal point of view as part of being a technical salesperson, being able to judge and understand the person you have in front of you and being able to adapt yep. the way you speak to this person based on their position, based on their technical knowledge, etc. So that's a, a very interesting skill set to, to gain. You raised a really good point there. I think in, in one of our episodes, I mentioned that some there was one day that I was doing a demo for, I think it was a financial services company. Then within the audience, we had these stakeholders that they were not technical. And after we finished, they told me like, yeah, the, the product works, works, but I had no idea what you're just saying there. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good way to learn, I guess. But I agree with you. It's a really, really important skill set that you acquire as you interact with different people. Yeah. And I guess that's linked a bit on the when and where we are involved. So we discussed quite extensively with Adi about this topic. Like, yes. And you just pointed that just before. Like, we, um, the salesperson will be engaging with the client initially, will be high-level conversation, etc. So we pretty much start to be involved when the client, the potential client, is asking some specific technical questions about the capabilities of the product or the service is asking some specific demo of the of the product so we're not being involved very early so we don't have the background so a good relationship with a salesperson <laughs> being able to tell can you give me enough 
information. So when I go to this yes. demo, to this presentation, I can actually be informed of who I'm facing, what are their needs, what I should focus on for, for those individuals, I guess. I think you, you are spot on there. That gives us a segue about the second part of this episode's title, which is mm. delivering value. If you are considered a person that needs to be involved in a very specific part of a sales cycle or any cycle is because you are going to deliver value. You are the SWAT team when needed. What's the SWAT team? Yes. <laughs> and uh, SWAT team is this special operations part of the police uh, in America and the movies. You see that, that they are called to do very yeah. specific tasks when there is a situation of, uh, of an emergency. Highly trained and experts on, on those very specific topics. Basically. Exactly. And this is when, basically, if we're talking about a demonstration of a product, you just don't go mm -hmm. there and talk about it. You try to, to mention what is the value of the potential customer to actually get your solution or software or product. For example, that could be a reduce in cost. That could be, mm -hmm. if cost is not top of mind, that could be to, to do more than what they're doing at the moment or perhaps even to create something new, right? Yeah. So the value that you position to, to the customer, it's, it's really important on every single interaction that you have with them. Yes, that's really important in this case to be able to dig in the conversation with this potential client. And I remember actually a framework that sales counterparts were implementing at the time, and that was called the three L's, if I'm correct. Uh, I, I forgot, unfortunately, what this L stands for. <laughs> Maybe we can figure out by uh, searching, searching online. While you check out, we'll try to describe. It's basically, the first L is, what is the immediate ask from the client if this client is coming to, to potentially buy uh, the software or the service? But the salesperson will need to dig a bit deeper and understand why basically the why behind it why do you need this uh, piece of software when you need this, this why you need this equipment etc so you dig a little bit deeper and you uncover company-wide initiatives and if you dig even deeper like the why it's always like why 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 asking the question and that could be the salesperson but also the technical sale and you will understand from a company perspective from a strategic perspective why they considering doing this kind of um, investments, why is it important for them, etc. Maybe I'm going a bit too deep on that. I don't know if you have a perspective, but I thought it's quite important because it's really understanding the underlying reason why they need the, this software, for example. I 100% agree with you. I don't think you're going that deep. I, and if you are, it's necessary because it's always important to start with why. And there is this um, talk from Simon Sinek, that talks about always start with why, yeah. which I really recommend everyone watching it um, before yeah, doing yeah. any yeah. sort of uh, sales or positioning because it's mind-blowing the way that he mentioned like how, well, the difference about selling uh, from Apple in the, at the time of the iPod versus other competitors that they were selling MP3 players. I do believe that if you understand the why, what is the concern, why are, they, are we doing this, and you talk about it, that's going to set you apart from your competition. So why do you think technical sales is really important, Mark? Why do we need that technical salesperson? Actually, that's a very good question. I'm not sure I have an exact answer on that. <laughs> <laughs> so in my idea is it's necessary because there is a lot of knowledge to develop uh, in this kind of role. And as you were mentioning, 
in the SWAT, uh, was it the SWAT you, you described? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those those uh, specialists in in US for the FBI, etc. It cannot be basically handled simply by a salesperson. That uh, it's it requires an extensive amount of time in terms of developing the skills, being able to create this relationship with internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. And finally, I would say it's nice to have a, a tandem approach when you come to discussing with a client where you can create this relationship as the non-direct sales person where they will consider you as a person that they can trust to say the real value rather than a salesperson sorry for them here if they listen to this episode <laughs> where the client might think oh the salesperson will say yes to everything even if it's uh, it's not true and that's my take Quick one, if you are enjoying this episode and our show, please make sure you follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Links on the description as per usual. Also, if you'd like to grow this community with us, think about sharing this episode with a friend or a colleague interested about all things data. Now, back to the episode. Here is a few tips, actually, for everyone to know to, or to deliver value as a technical sales individual. I think we listed four of them. Let's see if we come up with more, but I think they're, they're quite important. First one, do your homework. It's super important to understand your customer industry, what they need, what we were discussing before, like uh, what are they facing at ch as challenges? Uh, what are their goals? Where maybe if they're changing strategy from a company perspective, trying to be aware of that, trying to understand the why behind it. Again, the why. <laughs> And um, in this case, If possible, if it's the case, matching what is your product or service is going to achieve and is going to do to help your client to meet those goals. That's very important in this case. I have a question for you on the spot. All right, go. Do you research the people that are going to be in the meeting beforehand? Yes. Do you, do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn, right? Okay. Like you, you see the title I have to of say, where they work. I have to say not all, all of the time. If I have a small audience, let's say, I will do it because it, yep. it's fairly easy if you have enough time. And I will say it's, it's good to have an idea of their background. Nonetheless, yep. I will always ask people to introduce themselves. Uh, we will always do a round of introduction at the beginning if it's possible. But again, if, if it's a small audience, if it's a large audience, you always end up being sort of asking What is the profile of the audience and maybe yeah, no, asking yeah. someone in the room to try to describe a bit more the audience? Uh, that would be my approach. Do you do the same? I do the same, yes. We're not talking about stalking anyone. <laughs> no. We're talking about uh, LinkedIn search, right? And I see this as part of doing your homework. Absolutely. You never know. You might identify that the person worked in a previous company, same as you. And you can take that as part of that round of introductions mm -hmm. to say, oh, by the way, I also... Again, it's all about setting you apart from the competition, which I would say that's tip number two. Understand the competition. As we mentioned numerous times, when you are doing pre-sales, there is always a competition. Even when I was at consultancy at PwC, I knew that my competitors were mm -hmm. Deloitte, Accenture. Now, I would say what is really important here is that As part of doing the homework that you were mentioning there, Mark, let's try to understand whether they are using one of your competitors at the moment, mm -hmm. what is what is not working. So you have a bit of leverage uh, or turn the table in your favor when you are doing that 
positioning. I'm not a big fan of talking bad about competitors. Yeah, I agree. But if you see the one limitation that your product will actually uh, fulfill, I would definitely make that point there. I don't know for you, but with experience, being able to understand the competition helps you to upfront better position your product. If your client is actually looking at, let's say, two other competitors on, on the top of your company, and if you're aware of that, try to integrate that as part of your talk track, your approach to do the demo, the approach to position the product. In this case, this is a good yes. advanced skill to have because this is something they're not going to be consciously aware <laughs> you're doing, but that's really proving you have a very good ability to position your, your product here. Yes, yes. And, and I think that's a pro tip, uh, the one that you're giving there. It's really good. All right. Next one. Uh, I think in my case, we spoke about that last time again. <laughs> it would be nice potentially one day to do a full episode on that, <laughs> but is using storytelling to bring your product to life. I even think from medical equipment, a device, an object is very well known, like this kind of recruiting question some salespeople will will have, which is sell me this pen, <laughs> <laughs> which is basically creating a, a storytelling around it. Uh, but that's super important. It really helps a customer to visualize all the products and services going to fit into the business. But in the same aspect, detaching from the raw feature discussion you might have detaching from the raw return on investment you might have with with clients is like kind of elevating the discussion and elevating the pitch with the clients yes every time i see a storytelling i'm going to confess i, I usually get sold <laughs> 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 if someone you know comes to me and tell me like oh look at this uh going back this wearable this fitbit wise yeah and, this is John or Jane that is going to the gym and, and automatically gets all their the health signals automatically set up and Jane goes into the into her house and clicks here. Is it something you, you looked uh, recently about Fitbit or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> something like that, yeah, yeah. So you can see those, they give you like this storytelling. Uh, it's yeah. to be uh, amazing, I'm always sold. You were mentioning Simon Sinek with yes. the circle of why or start with why we will put the link in the description of the episode do you see a link between using this approach and or to build construct a storytelling for the product i think so yes i mean that approach of start with why is how you explain your purpose mm. and the reason of your product or it could be even the reason why are we here today as having this presentation or or this meeting or the reason why you're coming to us us, I'm meaning the solution that you are proposing. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I love it like that, yeah. Tip number four, be prepared to handle objections. And I think so far we are talking about the, the happy path of a meeting. Like you go there and everyone is amazed about your solution. Everyone likes what you're talking, but the reality is that it's not always like that. Customers, they will always have questions. They may, some of them may have concerns could be about how difficult this product will be to be implemented or this device will be to be used. Mm -hmm. Another typical objection is cost. How much is it going to cost me compared to what I am having at the moment? So objection is something that you should expect. And anticipating to those, I think it's, it's key here, right? What is your approach to, to those objections, Mark? What I like to do when there is objection is, <laughs> I'm going to repeat myself here, and we use this word so many times, but 
is basically digging up and asking why. <laughs> why is he asking this question? I'm trying to understand the why be behind this objection. Usually you get a nice nuggets of information about the company or about their, their needs that we're not aware of. That's yeah. my extra tip on this one. You answered the question with a question. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And that is a, a, a really well-proven approach. Don't go straight into Absolutely. it. I sometimes even use it as clarification. Yeah. I would say it is a great way to handle objections because also gives you a time to, to think about the original question, right? So, so you don't jump into conclusions very quickly. Yeah, I agree so much on that. When you have experience, you kind of know what the objections are of your solution. You know your product inside out. Yes. You have a, a good response that may satisfy, I don't know, 80% of people asking the question or, or doing the objection. So that, that is something that I would say you are going to be prepared with. So Mark, do you have any stories where you use these tips and you got the outcome that you were expecting? I think I have one. I mean, maybe not using all those tips, but uh, just one will come to mind. And it was for a banking client where I was invited to sit with a partner and the client, who, uh, the person in this case was the, the head of the IT infrastructure and the salesperson. Maybe we started the, the meeting in the, in the wrong foot in the sense that the person was a bit aggressive <laughs> and yes. was here basically to very much troubleshoot the infrastructure viability of a product and all this could fit in their environment. And we were in a meeting where the client was asking so many questions, firing so many questions to me. If I can take an analogy, it's like in a war situation where I was in a defensive in this case. And I I tried to use those tips in particular of mm -hmm. like obviously understanding the competition because I knew where the competitors yes. in this case using objection handling, obviously here and the storytelling. So I was able to slowly shift back the conversation and try to wrap up things around storytelling and also being able to come back to the client with question to him. So going back to an analogy of war, uh, I don't want to say this is a war situation when you're doing this sales, but, <laughs> <laughs> but because I was asking questions back, I was attacking as well, <laughs> basically balancing the power here. And we were able to have a much more meaningful conversation. I was not on, only answering his questions, but he ended up answering my questions. And it really helped me to answer more their needs, more in this case, their infrastructure. And nicely at the end, we won this, this opportunity. But uh, I also nice. realized that it was extremely important to, um, to be able to balance out here this kind of power role between the client and, uh, and myself here. You mentioned there really important concepts like moving the conversation to your favor, handling the objections. Yeah. You were using storytelling. I'm sure that there were some competition yeah. or competitors discussions there, maybe with internal systems. So yeah, I, I really like it. I think your story is a great example of the why behind this episode, which is we would like to share our experience for anyone that can benefit out of it um, or help those that are starting their careers or they're thinking about switching into a technical sales or pre-sales roles. I think that for us is one of the main reasons why we do the podcast in general. Yeah, absolutely. It's really to try to give you a different perspective. You might be doing data analytics days in and out. And uh, maybe even if you're on the client side, 
at some point you you will be able to understand who is the person in front of, of exactly. the camera or in front of you <laughs> well christian that was a fantastic episode uh i will remember that in this one we use so many analogies yes <laughs> that was quite interesting <laughs> for that so we meet uh, next week for a new episode with a guest obviously and until then have a good time thanks for listening to this episode this podcast represents our views and not the ones of our employers Our mission at the Data Coffee Break podcast is to inform you and help you grow in this always changing data field. Follow us and get into the conversation with the community on our LinkedIn page and Instagram. See you next Tuesday. And until then, keep your data caffeinated. <laughs>